Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... Bloody Mary. It is. I've got like, how many? Three, I think, stories. I've got an introduction. Introduction. (laughs) And then I've got three stories to tell. Yeah. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash the Whispering Woods podcast. Was it just whispering words? I don't know, actually. The links the links in the podcast notes. We haven't got any reviews to read um, because I've got that same problem again with Apple Podcasts. Um, so I've spoken to them again and hopefully they'll sort it out. But please don't let that stop you leaving us a review or um, a nice five-star rating. Do you know what? We got a couple of one-star ratings in the US. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, you could say something. <laughs> just drop your one star in and, and run yeah, off. Or just don't say nothing. Like, well, yeah. Just I, keep it to yourself. I do, like, I do think that as well because it is like you put so much hard work into it and it is a bit disappointing because it's like, okay, you may, it may not be your cup of tea, but why leave a one star review? It's so mean. Yeah, and it. I, <laughs> It is over five star reviews. Clearly, they like it. Yeah. It, oh yeah. And if you don't like it, it's just something that you not like then. Yeah. Just like <laughs> jog on, flick past. Don't do it, man. <laughs> right. Are you ready for the introduction about Bloody Mary? Yes, I am. I just want to make a quick note as well that in the stories and everything else, you will notice that if it's if it says it three times, I don't actually do it because I'm not tempting fate. <laughs> 
you know, I'm not doing it. <laughs> because I'm scared. <laughs> I don't want bloody Mary coming into my house. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I've had enough trouble lately. <laughs> right, let's get on with it. The legend of Bloody Mary tells the story of a ghostly figure who appears when summoned in front of a mirror. According to folklore, Bloody Mary was a witch named Mary Worth. Mary's reputation had spread throughout her village, with many assuming her to be a witch, as she lived in a small cabin within the forest and sold tinctures and herbal remedies. The locals kept the distance from her, fearing that any interaction with her would result in a curse on themselves or their animals. Those who used her remedies were shunned by the community, leaving Mary to live a life of isolation. Before long, young girls began to vanish mysteriously. Despite their best efforts, the villagers scoured every inch of the area, but found no trace of the missing children. A group of brave souls even dared to venture towards Mary's cabin in hopes of finding answers. But the witch denied any involvement in the disappearances. Strangely, Bloody Mary's appearance had changed drastically. Once elderly and worn, she now appeared more youthful and feminine. But despite their suspicions, there seemed to be little they could do. Until one night, the miller's daughter found herself entranced by a mysterious sound that only she could hear. Her mother, suffering from a terrible toothache, was awake in bed and had resorted to using a herbal tincture purchased from Mary herself. Terrified, the miller's wife called out for her husband to come and help find their daughter. Despite their desperate calls, the girl continued to follow an unseen force that led her towards the edge of the woods. Gathering some fellow villagers, the town's farmer noticed a faint light emanating from the trees. As they neared the source of the glow, they were shocked to see Mary Worth standing in the clearing, her wand pointed towards the miller's home. She radiated an otherworldly aura, and the miller's daughter was drawn towards her like a moth to a flame. As soon as the farmers and the miller became aware of Mary's actions, they armed themselves with pitchforks and guns and charged towards her. The realisation that the entire village was aware of her wrongdoings forced Mary to break the spell and flee into the forest. Though the farmer was too swift for Mary, he quickly loaded his gun with silver bullets. With one shot he fired and caught Mary in the hip. The villagers tied her to a stake and built a bonfire to burn her. As the flames consumed her, Mary cursed the villagers. She warned that if they ever spoke her name in a mirror, she would return to exact her revenge. The ritual of summoning Bloody Mary usually involves standing in front of a mirror in a dark room and repeating her name three times. Some variations of the legend require other actions, such as turning around three times or holding a candle. Once the ritual is performed, Bloody Mary is said to appear in the mirror, either as a ghostly figure or as a reflection of the person summoning her. The consequences of summoning Bloody Mary vary depending on the version of the legend. 
Some say that she will show you your future, while others say that she will kill you on the spot. Some versions of the legend suggest that she will scratch your face, leave handprints on the mirror, or drag you into the mirror to be with her. I know you've done the Bloody Mary, haven't you? Yeah, I've done it a few times. Yeah. Because we did mention it before on the podcast when you did it. What yeah. happened? You fell over and you broke your foot. Oh, I jumped down a whole set of stairs and I broke my toe. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. You do know I love you. And there's not like a, a normal set of stairs that you'd find outside. So I was in a whole house set of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Giant leap. And then you were never allowed over on a school night again for a sleepover. Nah. <laughs> right, are you ready for the first story? Yes, I am. My husband and I settled into our new home a little over two years ago. Despite being built in the 70s, the house felt fairly modern and I didn't sense any bad vibes. Well, not until this year. Throughout my life, I've always believed in all things supernatural. Yet I've never experienced a presence as tangible as the one residing within this house. Despite feeling just, well, odd, it's not a scary presence and it doesn't provoke any sense of fear or unease. There were even times when I felt comfortable with the entity. That was before this evening. Our introduction to this spooky tale all began with the arrival of our first cat, P. While people joke that cats are able to see ghosts, I initially brushed off P's peculiar behaviour as a result of her age and potential partial blindness. However, the arrival of our second cat, M, in the fall of 2019 made me question my initial response. M appears to be watching something, or someone, that we can't see. It's as if she's tracking an unseen presence that moves between rooms, almost as if it's pacing. At times it feels as though we're not alone, as if an entity is lingering in the shadows, observing our every move. My better half has picked up on a few of their peculiarities and has even recounted some of his own weird tales, the most striking of which occurred tonight. We were both in the bathroom, with the door slightly ajar, which grants a view of our staircase. He uttered, That was odd while rubbing his eyes and blinking. He then proceeded to tell me that he had just witnessed an individual ascend the stairs and stroll past the bathroom door. Later that evening, I decided to confide in him about a peculiar habit of mine. I often lock myself in the bathroom and in the darkness recite the Bloody Mary chant. It's something I've done since grade school. I never expected it to amount to anything. On this particular occasion, something strange happened. When I turned the light on and peered into the mirror, I couldn't see myself. It wasn't as if the light was blinding me. Instead, I felt as though I was looking through myself. In that millisecond, I caught a glimpse of the wall behind me, but it felt like an eternity. I was so taken aback that I immediately had to touch my face to confirm I was still there. Could the legend of Bloody Mary be more than just a myth? I can't shake the feeling that I may have unwittingly welcomed something unsettling into my home. I'm at a loss for what to do next. 
To make matters worse, my second cat has been acting strangely, making mournful, guttural meows that I've only ever heard when she's either trapped a toy or is searching for me. It's really unsettling to watch her pacing around the house, even in the same room as me. Now, why would you do that? God knows. <laughs> what, what, what would it come over you to make you go in the bathroom and just like really nonchalantly and go, right, I'm going to just give this a go again? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> oh, the poor husband, and he gets the brunt of it. Yeah, <laughs> not going to be wanting to find out more when you see that bloody mirror behind you in the mirror. No, sort that. Going to regret that a lot, <laughs> promise. Oh, dear. People, hey, people. Anything for a giggle. Yeah. <laughs> or a little bit of excitement. <laughs> Are you ready for the second story? Yes, I am. As a young child, I was basically the definition of chicken. I used to sleep with my lights on or fall asleep to the sound of a movie blasting out of my television. I guess all of that fear drained out of me during those years, because at this point, I'm not exactly a person you would call a coward, but I do have my moments. Now to the story. When I was seven or eight, I started going to my elementary school summer recreation programme. There I met some of the best people that I know. I met a girl there, we'll call her Rebecca, who to this day is still my best friend. We all sat in a small corner of the large gymnasium while she told us about Bloody Mary, the lady in the mirror. She told us the basic story about Bloody Mary, who was a woman who had lost a child. And if you chant her name while standing in front of a mirror in a dark room, she will appear. After her telling us about her, I continued to hear new stories about Bloody Mary from different people throughout the summer. Being the young, naive child that I was, I believed it, all of it. At past midnight, I would lay awake in my pitch-black bedroom, contemplating what I would do if Bloody Mary just happened to slip out of the mirror and into my room. One night, I went to bed as usual and tried to sleep, as it was the night before my ninth birthday. I kissed my mum and dad goodnight and proceeded to go into my bedroom and fall asleep with my lights like I always do. I slowly fell asleep. I woke up. The room was pitch black. Mum probably turned the light off or something. And I looked at the illuminated LED alarm clock on my nightstand, 11.59. Great, I have to wait until 12.10 to go to the bathroom. Even if I did go to the bathroom, I would go in terrified and trying my best to avoid looking into the mirror. I sat there, alone in the dark with a full bladder. You know what? This is ridiculous. Tiffany, you're nine years old and you're still acting like a two-year-old. Bloody Mary isn't real. I wanted to get over my fear, I really did, thinking that if I went into the bathroom and did the ritual, nothing would happen and I wouldn't be scared anymore. I grabbed a large candle from my parents' bedroom, tiptoeing quietly so I wouldn't wake them up. I crept down to the living room and grabbed the lighter from the kitchen. I lit the candle, burning myself on my first try, and walked into the bathroom. I set the candle next to the sink and stared into my lit reflection. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Nothing happened. I was relieved. I quickly blew out the candle and slipped back into my bed, smiling. I laid there, staring into the clock. I closed my eyes, but then I realised 
It was nearly 90 degrees outside in the summer, and my bedroom was cold. I was afraid to open my eyes, but I did. In my doorway was a dark figure of a lady. Looking at her made my insides hurt. I wanted to scream, but I was also afraid of waking up my parents. I simply closed my eyes and tried to imagine puppies, flowers, and the celebrations that would take place in the afternoon. I drifted off to sleep with a feeling that Bloody Mary was still watching me. Morning. I woke up and the sun from outside blinded my eyes. I looked in the doorway. Nothing. I went in the bathroom and dared to look in the mirror. There was a cut next to my eyebrow. I changed into my dress for the day, noticing several small scratches on my stomach. I ignored them. After that day, I tried not to think about that night. I never told my friends about what happened and that everything that she said was real. Never Bloody Mary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That was really brave for a young one. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been facing my fears at that age. But mind you, that's probably about the same age you did it, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> it was a primary school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm, I must be the biggest wuss around. I'm like well up for it. But probably if I, yeah, if I actually, no, no. I would really been... up for it if there's like there are people there. In theory, I'm up for it, I guess. And it's just not your house. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just find... Point. Fine, if I'm with at least five people and we're at... Not my house, that's fine. <laughs> so I'll do what I want, but not at my gaff. I'm so pleased you say that, you know? Yeah. That puts me at ease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. Are you going to come down to stairs one day, see me in... Or Mike's doing a ritual or something. Yeah, I think you'd be turning turn you out <laughs> in the tent. <laughs> we did one once around a friend's house, but I, I have spoken about that um, on a previous podcast episode. Listen, I haven't told you about this. This happened to me really briefly the other day. So I was sat in my chair the other day, like I do, doing my knitting, and I quickly glanced up, and my eyes, my, in my peripheral vision, I could see the living room window. And I swear that I saw um, a child. Yeah. A, a boy child. <laughs> Sounds like something out of Mary and Jesus, out of the Bible. A boy child. But I swear, running past the window, I saw a child, small, with short hair. <laughs> and then it was gone. And also, we were going to me- me- mention about um, our 
not skinwalker episode, weren't we? We're walking home yeah. last night. <laughs> so we were walking home and we could hear the foxes. Like, it must be mating season because they make a right racket. And it was late because Toby had been making brownies around his friend's house. Um, so I walked down to meet him. And we could hear the foxes and the mating calls. And then we kept seeing them, didn't we? And it, yeah. was, it was like they were following he- us home. And then just as we got onto the lane, um, I got actually got quite frightened when we were saying, imagine that. And then you yeah, were... because I kept saying, like, imagine a skinwalker <laughs> crawled towards you or something. Then, <laughs> then you were doing the crawling. And it's just like, oh, no, quit getting. <laughs> oh, I quite liked it, though. It was fun. <laughs> right, are you ready for the third and final story? Yes, I am. My stepmother was a loathsome figure, a common sentiment shared by children whose fathers have remarried. In our case, however, it was more than just a feeling, it was a fact. My father's wealth was the only reason she'd agreed to marry him, and she's despised us kids. My two brothers, Richard and Charles and I, were seen as nothing more than a hindrance to Goethe's ultimate goal, inheriting my father's fortune and so she devised a plan to eliminate us from the equation. My youngest brother Charles was sent away to a boarding school overseas. The school had an excellent academic reputation, but it was also notorious for being a harsh environment, with bullies and strict discipline. This was not the ideal place for Charles, who had been plagued by illness since infancy. Predictably, he struggled terribly there and was miserable. Despite his unhappiness, Goethe managed to keep him enrolled, except for summer break. When he returned home after his first year, Charles was pale and gaunt, with dark circles under his eyes that resembled bruises. He even wept when our father informed him he had to return to school, but his protests were ignored. Goethe believed the school would be beneficial for Charles, and so he went back against his will. I exhausted all efforts to stay in touch with Charles, writing uplifting letters and phoning him every day, until Goethe put a stop to it, citing the high cost and limiting calls to a mere five minutes per month. Seeing no other option, I pleaded with Father to purchase me a ticket to Europe so I could pay Charles a visit. But when Goethe discovered my plan, she was livid. The coldness in her blue eyes sent shivers down my spine and her once rosy lips twisted into a spiteful frown, warning me to stay out of her business. Just two days before my departure, the school called with devastating news. Charles had scaled the tallest tower and tragically jumped to his death. Initially, Father was in shock, and Goethe was pleased with herself. In the following months, Father was more attentive to Richard and me than he had been in years since our mother's passing, But Goethe's beauty and charm quickly captivated Father's interest, and he began to neglect us again. Goethe's hatred for her stepchildren continued, and she shifted her focus to Richard. He was next. Meet Richard, a strong-willed young man who possessed a passion for sports. As he was about to start high school, he would have thrived at the boarding school that had killed our brother. But Goethe had a different plan in mind. She enrolled him in an art school, 
claiming they had artistic talents that needed to be honed. Richard detested the idea, but Father, who had already suffered the loss of one child, reluctantly agreed. Richard's love for sports never wavered, but he had no choice but to suppress it. Instead, he forced himself to practice the piano and violin, which he found unsatisfying. Goethe, however, had a trick up her sleeve. She introduced Richard to a group of popular high school boys, who were everything he wanted to be, wealthy, athletic and admired by many. Unfortunately, they were also involved in drugs. Goethe made sure that Richard had a generous allowance, which she continued to increase as he became more involved with the group. The allure of the lifestyle was too strong for Richard to resist, and soon he became addicted to the drugs. Eventually, he overdosed, leaving Goethe with only one stepchild left, the narrator of this story. I was convinced, completely convinced, that Goethe was aware of Richard's drug use in the room that day. She knew he was unwell and on the brink of death in there. The doctor had confirmed that if she discovered him just ten minutes earlier, his life would have been saved. I had faith in the doctor's words, but father refused to believe me. Every time I spoke out against Goethe, he became infuriated and instructed me to keep quiet. Nevertheless, I knew that I was next in line and I was certain that father wouldn't last long after transferring his wealth to his wife. I made up my mind that if Goethe became too unbearable, I would flee and secretly take refuge with my aunt in New Jersey until I reached the age of 18. Ever since Richard's lifeless body was discovered in his bedroom, I made a conscious effort to become the perfect child. I completed my homework promptly, behaved politely around Goethe and her friends, participated in all family outings with father, including the perilous ones like shark fishing. I made sure to feign seasickness and avoid the boat's edge, taking great care not to get too close. Goethe was a master of deception, as evidenced by the time we were out shopping and I supposedly tumbled onto the subway tracks just as a train was approaching. I narrowly escaped harm by rolling away in the nick of time but the experience was far too harrowing for my liking. The time had come for me to make my move and run away, when my father shattered my plans with the heartbreaking news of my aunt's sudden death in New Jersey. The fact she'd been poisoned by an unknown individual or group left me in a state of shock. In the midst of grief, I couldn't help but wonder how Goethe had known about my plan. The sly smile on her face confirmed my suspicions. That night, I retreated to my room and barricaded myself inside with my thoughts. The idea of running away seemed tempting, but I knew deep down that my limited funds wouldn't sustain me for long. Moreover, completing high school was crucial if I wanted to secure a decent job in the future. And then there was Goethe, lurking somewhere in the shadows, if she could just go so far as to hire a hitman to poison my only remaining family member. There was no telling what she could do to me, whether I stayed put or not. A solution suddenly came to me, a family secret that had been whispered down the generations via my mother's side. It was a tale that involved a witch by the name of Bloody Mary. 
who had once attempted to slay my great-great-great-grandmother in a bloodthirsty bid to steal her youth and beauty. But just as the witch was about to commit the act, her plans were thwarted by my ancestor's father, who managed to stop her just in the nick of time. However, as the witch was burned at the stake, she uttered a curse that will forever haunt my family. She cursed not only the father's mirror, but also the mirrors of all men who had condemned her to death, so that anyone who dared utter a name in front of those mirrors would be invoking her vengeful spirit. Over time, the tale became muddled, passed on from one generation to the next, spreading throughout the entire country. Nowadays, children from every corner of the land would scare themselves silly by chanting Bloody Mary's name in front of dimly lit mirrors during sleepovers, but nothing ever happened to them. As a result, people stopped believing in the curse altogether. But the story of Bloody Mary remained a well-kept secret that had been passed down by the villagers of old. As one of her direct descendants, I knew how to summon the witch. To do so, one must use a mirror that has been passed down through the bloodline of the original families that once resided in Bloody Mary's village. Her name must be spoken in their native tongue, by candlelight a specific number of times. I knew it was a despicable act, but my life hung in the balance. It was either Goethe or me. If I didn't take action, I would surely face a grim fate. So I scrounged up my hard-earned cash and went to a speciality shop to purchase hand-dipped beeswax candles. The black ones, with great care. I followed my mother's instructions, placing them strategically around the living room to reflect in the colossal mirror behind the couch. After lighting each one, I recited the spell passed down through generations. Then I waited. My father was away on business, and Goethe was out with her newest fling. She returned home late, greeting me with a playful tone. I hated that sound. It made her seem kind. However, beneath her words, I detected a hint of distrust as she observed the flickering black candles. Are you holding a seance, Marie? asked Goethe. I gritted my teeth at the use of my childhood nickname. I just prefer the ambience of candlelight, I replied, not bothering to look up my book. Goethe's expression soured. It's time we had a talk, Marie, she said, walking over to the mirror and fussing with her hair. I took a deep breath. You killed my brothers and my aunt, I said, my voice low and steady. But I won't let you do the same to me. Goethe scoffed, tossing her hair over her shoulder. Please, Marie, you're no match for me. With practiced ease, I spoke the words of my ancestors, calling forth the spirit of Bloody Mary. The mirror shimmered and crackled, and Goethe's reflection was replaced with that of a twisted, malevolent crone. Goethe screamed as the witch beckoned her closer, and flames erupted from the glass. I watched in horror as Goethe was consumed by the inferno. Her screams abruptly silenced. When the flames died down, the mirror was empty. The next morning, I called my father to report that Goethe had not returned home. He flew back immediately, and after some investigation, it was discovered that she'd been carrying on multiple affairs. Father divorced her without ever finding her, 
and the cover story was accepted without question. Goethe was gone for good, and my father and I were finally safe from her wickedness. This story just really annoyed me. Yeah. Because that dad, what kind of dad are you to let somebody do that, you know? It's pretty obvious what she was up to. Seriously. Yeah. It did make me really angry. I was like, neglected your children (laughs) for a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She got a comeuppance. And like I know she was really regretful, the Marie, in the story, about calling Bloody Mary on her. But I want to tell her, have no regrets. That woman deserved it. (laughs) She so deserved it. You know? Yeah. I'd call Bloody Mary on her. If somebody did that to my sisters or my children, darned right I would. Yeah. Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Please let us know what you'd like to hear. Yeah. And we will catch you again on Thursday because we do have another extra episode with some more Bloody Mary stories. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. 